0: Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast. As always, my name is Mike Dice. I'm Elias. And we are here to talk about all things MMA, Recap UFC 216. Great and then card. at 2.20 or 20 minutes after uh, the hour, I don't know which time zone you're watching from, Devin Clark, UFC fighter, Jackson Wink uh, fighter, will call in to talk about his upcoming fight in 10 days. 10 days from today, yeah, actually. But first of all, card. happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. So for those of you who don't know, it's Elias's birthday, so... Uh,
1: any big plans to celebrate? Uh, I think I'm going to have some ramen tonight and a bowl of poke. Uh, I think a rice bowl. So that that pretty much is the big, big, exciting plan. Uh, it's been good for me. I've been actually cutting down the last four days uh, kind of arbitrarily what I've been eating. So today I'm going to treat, treat myself. I already started. Uh, my wife made a cheesecake. She makes amazing cheesecake. I ate like half of it this morning. This is after like four days, Mike, of eating like water protein shakes and nuts and fruit and then i just had like half a cheesecake gonna have two bowls uh for dinner tonight so i'm pretty excited
0: sounds like an awesome way to spend a birthday (laughs) yeah Um, yeah i'm lucky and spending it here with us so yeah absolutely till till Devin clark calls in at 20 minutes past we're gonna just basically talk so if you have any questions feel free to drop them into the chat and we will do our best to answer them um otherwise we'll just talk about UFC two sixteen and everything that happened uh this weekend. So
1: to to talk about there. Did you see that I spoke to both of the main eventers uh coaches? I did, I saw yeah, that yeah. on uh FlowCon, but yeah, you it, talked to the fun.
0: coaches of both of them and they uh, gave interesting perspectives. So make sure to go check that out. That was a pretty uh, pretty cool thing. Thanks, man. Definitely unique perspective. Uh something you know, everything everybody it's rushed to hear what the fighter thinks, but the coaches are often more silent in the sport than other sports, and they pick up the phone
1: more readily—the like the night of or the day after a fight—than fighters. So right. it's 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 useful, and it's and it's. They're less easy. burnt
0: out. They haven't had the adrenaline dump right. that fighters have had. Not quite. As um, much. So, anyways, um, Devin Clark calling in, but let's focus about Demetrius Johnson right now. Oh man, he set the record for title defenses with a win. Um, In the fifth round, he submitted Ray Borg via armbar in perhaps the craziest submission you will ever see. Uh, I think John Morgan of MMA Junkies dubbed it The Mousetrap, which is uh, (laughs) a a fun name for it. If it was wrestling, that would be a a very fitting name because it would be on point with the gimmick. (laughs) But um, definitely something surreal, something that I don't know that I've ever seen. Uh Um, For those of you who missed it, he did what could only be described as a German suplex. Um, And then in midair transitioning into a arm bar so that by the time Borg had kind of realized he had been slammed he was already in an arm bar it was incredible to watch uh Demetrius Johnson retweeted something from one of the UFC uh Twitter accounts that has it in slow motion so check mm. it out uh, but you know you're you're a guy who practices the sport um at least what did you think of this
1: and and mma for sure and well. MMA just for at a sure. very low level right but, but yeah i've been fighting that for like seven years now and it's uh it's something that we were talking about that mike like if we were <laughs> it was actually the next day at the gym at uh, at foundation we were talking it was like man if we if we no, actually sunday yeah if we were uh if we were all to just get together right then and like just drill it technique no resistance just get belly to back switch your are then in mid air once you elevate your your partner uh release the uh, your grips off of the waist and switch to uh switch to the arm with no resistance over and over we did it for an hour it would be hard to be that coordinated right if your partner was letting you uh it's it's definitely something that i've personally never seen happen I'm sure someone's seen it somewhere at some point i've I've not seen it and uh it, it's just it's the coordination to do it the, is just is just remarkable. Uh, to go from slamming someone to right into the armbar, it's 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 pretty cool. And, and you know, Demetrius Johnson, I th- I feel def- as if not if not the best armbar uh, in in speaking broadly in in MMA history. Then it's certainly up there. I mean, it's so hard to get any type of straight armbar on someone in an MMA fight. It's hard to do it it's hard to do it to to good people in Roland it's very hard to do it in Jiu-Jitsu competition Uh, it's extremely hard to do it in in an MMA fight unless there's a big skill gap between you and your partner And, and the highest level of MMA any type of straight armor I mean let's think about it other than like old Hicks and Gracie and Ronda Rousey and Demetrius Johnson we don't see straight arm locks of any type happen very often it's you know fighters take pain and they might get cracked and they'll 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 escape out so to do it the way he did and not just a straight arm bar which he's done now and several times against amazing opposition but to do it like he did again in the last round off of a suplex i mean it's just it's it it really i think i i I think i agree with you mike that it's it's probably the craziest it might be that not only the craziest submission that i've seen but the craziest like Fight-ending sequence I've seen at that level of MMA or that I can remember, I, I can't remember one that that strikes me more than that.
0: We're, we are in the immediate aftermath, so it's really easy to be high up sure. on that one um, um, because it's so fresh. So fucking hard to do though, right? And it's a copycat sport. You know, somebody kind of does something and it adds a new wrinkle to the sport, and sure. other people are kind of quick to pick it up. It makes you wonder though, like the creativity to think like the suplex isn't the end of the move, like it can be used as a transition Mm -hmm. to see like with that kind of opens up that door Mm -hmm. like people going forward I don't think you can expect the next UFC card this weekend to see you know the next evolution of it but it's interesting I think people will start looking at ways to utilize it as more than just
1: you know slamming your opponent I think you're totally right it is people you know once we see something work well especially if it's uh, it's, uh, that's, that's a, you know, it's not a, it's not an esoteric move, right? It's two, um, very fundamentally sound things done in conjunction in a timing that's astounding. So like people can do it like people, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if everyone's drilling that, that's, that's the way it happens. I remember after, uh, uh, Anthony Pettis, uh, bounced off the wall hit that what became dubbed, uh, maybe by John Morgan, uh, the showtime kick. I don't, <laughs> I don't know who did it, but, uh, mousetrap is pretty funny. Uh, when you have to that against Benson Henderson, we were all like, so let's, let's test this cage strength and jump on the cage. And, like, people like me who have no coordination are just falling all over the place. But, you know, like, you, everyone gets in the gym and tries stuff when it's crazy like that. Or the Ezekiel choke from what's the gentleman, the big heavyweight, the, the oh. guy that hits it, like, every, t- every day he steps in the ring. Uh, and he hit it while he was mounted. The next day, we're in there trying to figure out, or when Tito Ortiz, uh, and if you know the name, put it in the comments, guys. I'm bad with that. Uh, Tito Ortiz hit that choke off to a, the side of Child Son, and in the gym, figuring out the next day, like how can you hit it from that angle? So you're right, Mike. I, I'm sure everyone's drilling it. I'm sure everyone's working on that. No doubt. No well, doubt.
0: Well, the jumping off the cage, we, I've you've seen. I know I've seen it. A couple mm-hmm. people attempt it to less success than Anthony Pettis in the past, but also. Um, you know, We've seen Jose Aldo do that thing uh-huh. where they back up and they put their foot on the cage and they jump off. And yeah. Tony Ferguson, I think, did it in the Land of Anatophy too, um, which was in South Dakota, which Devin uh-huh. Clark connection there. But, uh, you know, so it'll be interesting to see. But now the debates, which is that he set the record for title defenses, is he the greatest MMA fighter of all time?
1: Well, I mean, you know, that's always a fun discussion. We can, we can never know, and you, it's always a, a weird amalgam of, Skills, accomplishments, and and, and other characteristics um, more intangible, and you kind of put that melange together and come up with your own your own determination. I've for a while now thought that he needs to be in the discussion. If we're talking about pound for pound skills, he's he's as if there's I mean there's, there's no one. I don't think there's a there's a great argument that for anyone else being as well rounded as he is, as excellent in so many areas, as as apparently without big holes in their game as, as Demetrius Johnson. And that goes a long way, right? That's overall skill set. And then if you look at accomplishments, well he's, he's racking those up. There you know, the the more ignorant fans out there talk about there being uh, a lack of competition of flyweight and that's just absurd they have some of the best athletes in the world at flyweight he, he's making
0: it's a lazy thing because there's very because he was the first champion
1: yeah well yeah i mean he's the first champion in the ufc and we've had we've had 125ers for many years that are great again if they just don't know their history they don't know their history but if you look at like the people he beats they're they're amazing you know they're he's he's being like his biggest closest rivals he's beaten multiple times not like john dodson or joseph benavides who Who's only lost to uh, Demetrius right. Johnson and Dominic Cruz. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, really high-level competition. So he's he's put together this, this streak of, of wins, and this streak of title defenses. I mean, the only person to, to argue – the last person to arguably beat him in that weight class is, is Ian McCall when they had their inaugural uh, bat on that the judging was weird and, and they kind of got screwed and had to do a, a rematch. Ever since then, no one's really looked great for a whole fight against um, – or even competitive for a whole fight against Demetrius Johnson. People – can give him problems for or things to adjust to, uh, but yeah. If you look at his accomplishments, they're there. I, you know, it's a shame that um, it's a shame that Anderson Silva doesn't have eleven because he d- he deserves that. Travis Luter didn't make weight, and that's why he doesn't have eleven. Even though he beat Travis Luter. but and there's any way you cut it, Demetrius Johnson is all time in terms of skill level, all time in terms of accomplishments, in terms of you know being up there in a discussion, and then all sorts of fun little intangible things like man the the pace he keeps, how consistent he keeps in a fight, Mike, and how he he will he can finish so late in a fight there's a threshold usually like if if a fight hasn't been finished in many fights between most fighters by a certain point especially a five rounder usually it'll go to the decision there's so much fatigue there's so you know these guys are so, and girls are so good and they're so evenly matched it's tough to 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 break someone down methodically and eventually like really break through at the end of it you know it's game winning shots aren't as common in fighting as they are in, in you know in basketball and, and stuff like that or walk off home runs. so he's i think he has like three third round uh submission wins now like he three fifth round submission wins like he he really he makes adjustments well in there even when guys challenge him it he, he'll win in different ways when someone shuts down one part of his game I think there's an excellent argument that he's the best of all time. If if you don't, if you think there's someone else in there, there's plenty of other great arguments out there to be had with other guys and girls. But I think he needs to be in that discussion. I think he needs to be in the discussion for the last two years personally. What do you think?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think one of the most uh, interesting things after his fight was that him talking about wanting to kind of beat Ray Borg at Ray Borg's game. And he seems to do a lot of that. You know what I mean? You know who else was like that? George St. Pierre mm. St. Pierre was, and he kind of touched on this in the mm. Bisping press conference. Mm. He's uh, working with a boxing coach because that's Bisping strength. Mm. And he's, we've seen him do things like that in the past over mm. the course of his career. Um, so, I mean, it, he's underappreciated. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, most artists, but you know, he's wants to um, extend the record, at least that's what Dana light, I think alluded to this mm. weekend. I'm remembering all the comments that happened, but uh, you know, and if he just keeps running that total up, it's, you know, to a point where it's almost unfathomable that yeah. it'll ever be reached. You know, I think that would do enough. You know, like the so. Cody Garbrandt or TJ Dillashaw
1: coming down challenging, I think, would only further cement it. Sure, those, but, those would be fun, fun challenges. Um, absolutely, him going up. I know none of us mentioned him, but I know everyone's talking about. Is he going to go up? He's going to go up. Well, he he he's been up there. He he became the number one contender at bantamweight finding – People that were much bigger than him, and he he lost a decision to Dominick Cruz. So, you know, just for those to kind of like address, you know, I don't know what people are saying in, in the comments, but I know I've seen some things out there. Even a lot of the questions he gets are like, "Hey, are you gonna fight up at bantamweight? Maybe these guys these these guys will come down to him. But are you gonna fight up in bantamweight? Listen, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I think he's right in demanding actual professional athlete money to do it." But he's done it already. Like I, I've seen a lot of folks on the on on, uh, on, on uh, discussion forums say, like you know Anderson Silva. And listen, you can think Anderson Silva is better or more accomplished. That's fine. There's no real reason for me to disagree with you. But Anderson went up to light heavyweight, you know. So his history, you know, his his accomplishments are better. Well, Demetrius <laughs> Johnson went up to uh, bantamweight. He did not more than go up to it, like Anderson did. He campaigned there and he got up to a title shot. He went the distance with the champion. So. I yeah. It's it's tough to it's it's okay to have a different opinion of who's the best of all time, but it's definitely not okay to like underappreciate him like you say he is being currently. Well let's talk about Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Impressive performance, beats Kevin Lee in
0: the third round, uh to win the interim lightweight title. What what were your takeaways from that fight?
1: Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, he fought he fought really well off his back. He made uh interesting adjustments. He worked uh he put to use on the ground so much of what he works with eddie bravo in camp um and on the feet i'm sure he put to use what he worked with with his striking coaches on the feet because he did really well standing up uh as well for most of the fight but you know like eddie bravo when we spoke to him um earlier this week for this for this uh article we spoke to him and robert Follis, who is kevin lee's coach one of his coaches he talked about setting uh when you're on your back they expected one to be on their back which is interesting tony Ferguson is a great wrestler but they figured hey we're going to be on our back. They considered this, uh, Mike, like they said, like a, a second Khabib Nurmagomedov camp. They said, hey, listen, very similar risks, right? Maybe a big shot on the feet, uh, but mostly takedowns, passing, maybe back control. We're worried about that and then ground strikes. So they, they worked up, They were ready to work off their back. They expected to. And Tony used timing so well. He used elbows to set up the triangle. Like, he looked for, he worked, like Eddie pointed out, he worked for this armbar earlier in, in the round, I believe, in the third round. Lee got out of it he set it up with no strikes. He just went for the armor. It was a great armor. When he went for the triangle, he basically gave Kevin Lee the options of, when he had his feet up in his hips, he gave Kevin Lee the options of retreating, standing up and posturing up and going back to the feet where maybe he didn't feel like he had a, such a great shot with Tony Ferguson, who's a long or great boxer. Uh, or... He was going to just posture up and not stand. And then he was susceptible to elbows. And at that point, he kind of collapses back down and loses the posture. When, when you lose your posture, you're susceptible to, to things like a triangle choke. So the way he used strikes off of his back to set up submissions off of his back is amazing. And let's keep in mind, this guy is a, supposed to be a wrestler. A wrestler that comfortable off their back is super impressive. And any fighter at that level, at being able to finish off their back. And to finish a guy like Kevin Lee off your back, is is pretty crazy the you know make no mistake about it on your you know and i'm sure eddie bravo will disagree with this being on your back is not a good place to be in a fight as a rule uh it's very difficult the guy on a girl on top has to do like one half thing half right to hurt you like a little elbow gets through and you've got to do a lot of things right to get up or or submit someone and uh tony ferguson really showed some cool advancements in in ways that like kenny florian used to set up things off his back with elbows like when he hit uh joe lozon with with a choke. like a lot of a lot of people don't do that they just grapple then they strike or they rustle then they then they grapple on the ground and he combined all those things really really seamlessly um he took he took damage off the bat that's the only worry is that like in this hugely dominant streak that tony ferguson has going is there's been a couple moments and a couple fights that he ended up dominating and all of which where he, he he gets he gets hurt and i'm just worried that he won't get the the big money fight before he's you know been been tagged too many times but in terms of that performance pretty impressive right like he he wasn't just a, a bigger dominant guy he had to come from behind he had to show a lot of different looks very interesting And I, you know i thought kevin lee fought well too right? he's a young dude i don't see any reason why he can't come back Kevin Lee tagged him a few times, yeah, yeah. and he <laughs> heard him. Um, you heard him bad. Yeah, which
0: makes you wonder how the Tony, Fer- Tony Ferguson Conor McGregor fight would go mm-hmm. if that came to fruition. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other mm-hmm. debate. No, it's very interesting. He'll probably get hit. Like, and be how how he reacts to it, Yeah. Do you, you think right. he'll be tough enough to withstand Conor and his fabled power? Uh, yeah. I don't think
1: uh, I don't think Conor has more punching power than all the guys that he's uh, faced. Conor does a lot of really good things. Um. But he's not, i mean he's not george foreman though i mean you know i mean like in terms of <laughs> po- punching power like it's just it's not he's an excellent striker and he gets um a lot of finishes um because he does a lot of things well it's not just like him beating a, a you know a, a bull carcass like that type of raw power so you know no one i i would say none of these guys none of these guys are in for an easy night if they let the other hit them on the chin clean more than twice like either one could put the other out for sure um, I think Tony Ferguson shows he can recover really well. Again, it's just at some point with that, do you get diminishing returns because you're taking you're taking abuse? Uh, but I think you know that's he, the key. He, yeah, no, exactly. The, the gas tank. You just that's always been Connor's like wow. Well, yeah, I think Tony Ferguson will definitely have superior conditioning if if they go down. You know, I I don't even know what what the I don't I don't even like criticize Conor McGregor for it. Like I just think fighting is hard, and sometimes the other guy is. Less tired than you Or responds to it better So I don't even have Like a point of criticism For him But I think Tony, Tony Ferguson Has proven himself uh, it, it Better into, into late rounds And I know everyone Likes to talk about The second fight With, with Nate Diaz and, and how he went Five rounds And he did And that was a great fight Conor, With Conor McGregor But I don't think he I mean he lost the second half of that fight and he, i don't think he deserved the win so yeah i think tony ferguson if he doesn't get caught with something clean i think he has a lot of ways to win that mike i think he can hurt connor on the feet i think he could submit him i think he could take him down like i think it's a pretty good matchup uh, as far as as far as an extremely dangerous matchup goes you're facing someone as great as Connor mcgregor as far as that goes i think it's a pretty good matchup for tony ferguson i bet he feels real good about that fight yeah, uh, wow. it'll be interesting to see how that whole situation plays out, and whether or
0: not Tony Ferguson will get the shot, or whether or not the Nate Diaz trilogy will come oh. to thing. Uh, one interesting thing I just want to get out before we oh. call Devin Clark because it is twenty minutes nice. after is that I was thinking about this uh, and all the talk. Like, if Connor doesn't fight December twentieth,
1: I hope he doesn't.
0: He's not fighting till March seventeenth. Um, I think that's a lot of people. How active will he be? And uh, I saw uh, somewhere that he fair. said he wouldn't gonna fight till January, but I don't think he can. He, I mean. If things go according to plan he could fight january and turn around and fight in march but it, Fuck, I, hope not. I think while
1: you dial all up plan on that like i was fucking I hope not this guy's gotten let me see we got two ds fights where he, he got either finished or hurt badly he got stopped by floyd it's like three out of four fights he's, he's gotten hurt this guy needs to rest man i yeah. hope he waits till march if not sooner
0: hello hey Devin, how are you
2: good how are you doing
0: good thanks for uh, taking the time out to talk to us and join the show
2: yeah, no worries.
0: How are things uh, going for you this week? Ten days out oh, from the not, fight,
2: they're going great. Um, just got back to South Dakota yesterday, from the final, final touches on my camp. So, um, yeah, going good. Hanging out with family. Just left the Butterfly House. So,
0: what's the uh, is that is that a normal thing since you've been down at Jackson Winks, going back home to South Dakota? You know, in between wrapping up training camp and uh, um, the week of the fight.
2: I usually don't, but this time since it's all the way in Poland, figured I'd come home see my family first and then head out.
0: Is it difficult to be away from your family in training?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I was gone for like almost seven weeks or six weeks. So um, that's my daughter; she's she's about to be four. So yeah, it's pretty hard.
1: Now, Devin, you this is Elias here. Thanks again for being on the show. Never had a chance to chat with you earlier, but you actually fought near us not too long ago. You've had, a, I mean, I'm sure it doesn't feel quick to you. You're putting in the grind, but not too long ago, you were fighting in local Chicago shows. You fought at TFC. I remember, yeah. I remember seeing you there at, at that one, which is pretty cool. <laughs> How have you, yeah. have you been in uh, Have you been to Chicago since then at all? Um, I haven't. Right. That
2: was my last time uh, being there, and last time fighting there. Mm-hmm i remember that though that was that was a fun fight i was i remember i was really mad because the guy was talking a bunch of smack before the Uh, the fight
1: so i never i never knew that yeah you you rushed him right from the start in that fight too like you wanted to jose aldo this guy (laughs) off the bat with a flying knee and that makes sense now
2: well yeah because um i knew because he he'd always come out like crawling and stuff and Uh, try to you know take that wrestler's approach and i knew he couldn't strike very well so uh I just assumed he was. Just, as soon as I came at him like that, he was going to hit his knees, and he, and he did. And I barely missed him with that knee. But, <laughs>
1: that was pretty slick. Uh, so it, was, it was fun. <laughs> what what got you interested in in MMA to begin with? Had you watched it since you were a kid, or is there specific um, you know moments that made you want to get into it?
2: Pretty much uh, when I was in in uh, in junior college wrestling, some of the guys they'd uh, they'd practice it you know just on the mats and stuff. And guys like Tommy Spear would come in. Ah. He was out that way in Minnesota uh Tommy Spear and um um I'm forgetting his name now but he has like a hundred hundred some fights. He's a heavyweight but um they would come in and practice and stuff and so then when I was done wrestling uh, my dad's friend had you know just a little amateur team and I went and checked it out and fell in love with it, figured I was or found out I was decent at it.
1: So. <laughs> how how supportive of mixed martial arts uh, or people in uh in south dakota would you say like what's the scene like there? i've never visited
2: um you know it's it's newer newer th- concept here i think it just got legal tech like um legit about what three years ago mm. and so before that it wasn't stuff wasn't sanctioned and stuff like that so it's kind of a new thing around here but people love the fact that um there's uh, a ufc fighter here now and there's a couple guys that have from here. They're in the OC. Uh, ben Wynn's one of them. So, um, but yeah, they're they're picking up on it. And they love it. So um, the RFA was coming here. I think they did, they've done like five shows here, and pretty much every time they'd pack the house. So uh, it's been pretty good.
0: And you've actually fought in South Dakota a lot, especially on those RFA shows you mentioned. What was the home crowds like for you when you were fighting in South Dakota?
2: Oh, they were awesome. I mean, the just the the venue we had it at was really great for it and it would get so loud in there and it was just a really good fight atmosphere
0: and one of these fights i believe was the one that was on uh looking for a fighter that kind of got you noticed by dana white and got you signed by ufc but yeah. he wanted you to fight at 185 you made your debut at 185 <laughs> and then you moved back up to light heavyweight what was that yep. conversation like trying to get back to light heavyweight after they were so uh-huh. set on you making that middleweight fight uh, your home
2: well, there there really wasn't a conversation because um, I fought at 85. I got in my debut, I got knocked out or whatever, and I was like, okay, next time I'll just have to do my weight cut differently and you know just make it work because I'm you know I wasn't really in a position to uh, negotiate that what weight I wanted to fight at or at all, or as, I didn't think I did anyways. But um, then they offered me the fight against uh, Josh Stansberry. And I thought it was at 85, so I started cutting 85. Mm-hmm. Then they sent me the contract, and I was like, "This is at 205." <laughs> so I called my manager. I was like, "What weight are we fighting at?" And it ended up, they wanted to fight at 205 since it was short notice. And then I won that fight, and that's been my weight class since. So
0: yeah, it seems like they would want people at 205. It's you know, a lot of people have said recently, especially that the divisions kind of thinned out. Like they would need names there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and um, I think it was just when he saw me in Sioux Falls, when Dana saw me in Sioux Falls, I looked a little smaller. At the time, I was only walking around about 210 mm. and just, like, finding that a more natural weight. Um, so I understood why he wanted me at 85, but I um, was pretty much right after that fight. I had a little growth spurt, and then I was walking around about 220. So that, that made that cut to 85 pretty hard. And now I, when I'm not in fight camp, I walk around about 230 so um it just uh it makes more sense for me to stay at 205 i mean obviously i could obviously i can make the way at 85 but it's just not I, I feel so much better at 205
1: i, w- I want to jump in real quick uh i you know i it, that that fight and the cut and you're talking about feeling better at at 205 reminds me of so earlier uh, earlier in the show we were talking about this conversations we had with uh uh, with Robert Follis, Kevin Lee's coach, and and he did mm-hmm. not at all. But he said, you know, the weight cut was normal. There was nothing bad. Like, he had no excuses. But as a side conversation, we were talking about weight cutting, and he said, you know what, I wish, you know, we could – we we didn't have it. Uh, weight cutting, you know, he said, you know, outside of it, – it's actually a, you know, paraphrasing the quote here, uh, but it's made a couple headlines. He said, outside of knockouts, uh, which are things that just, you know, you can't really control that, um, yeah. uh, outside of knockouts, weight cutting is the most – dangerous thing like to his fighters like the biggest health concern he has now of course you know weight cuts could contribute to a knockout like did you did you feel yeah. especially the way that one went you know where you got you, know, you got touched do you feel like if you think about it do you feel like the dehydration could possibly contribute to you going out
2: oh 100 mm-hmm. um, percent. because it was a glancing punch i've i've never been dropped besides that and um it, yeah it wasn't even like a it wasn't that clean of a shot, it was just a glancing punch, and he he caught me and it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy and you know I was <laughs> surprised as anyone else and uh you know so i I think it was a lot to do with the weight cut um the weight cut was kind of hard on me i think I, I remember like a week 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 and a half before I was weighing two twenty so um it didn't like it was my first time cutting down eighty five and it just didn't really work out that well. And I, I, maybe I didn't do it right, and that you know that was a thing, but it did affect me in the fight. I felt good the first three or four minutes, and then my body just started kind of you know, shutting down on me.
1: How hard was it um, mentally? Like going in, you're like, man, okay, I got signed by the UFC. I'm undefeated. Hey, oh, shoot, we're going to fight in, you know, a, it's a hometown fight in the UFC. All that positive stuff, did it make it that much harder than to like, oh, my gosh, my first loss as a pro, and then it was in my hometown. It was in the UFC debut. You've obviously come back super strong. Like, you obviously have the yeah. mental strength to, to come back for him. But at the time, I mean, wh- wh- how difficult was it for you? And what was the key to get bouncing back mentally?
2: It was a little difficult. Um, but the way the fight went, even though it was one round, I did really good up until I got knocked out. Yeah. So the support from the fans, pretty much everyone I talked to was like, oh, that was bull crap, that was bull crap, because it was – I think there's like four or four or five seconds left too in the round and they stopped the fight. I was still kind of moving, but I and definitely, it was definitely a good call, but um, a lot of people, they didn't agree with it and they knew I was winning the fight and it was kind of just like a fluke deal, you know? And that's kind of how I look at this too, is a fluke. Um, you put me up against that Alex Nicholson again, it'll be way different, especially at 205. So it's, it, it hurt a little bit at the time, but the fans, they responded good to it and they, you know they didn't look at me any different for for losing that fight, so it, you know it was easy to come back from.
0: Well, you're at Jackson Week now, and uh, you played the role of Daniel Cormier in John Jones' <laughs> yeah. camp for UFC 214. Uh, how yeah. much did working day in and day out with John Jones help you, uh, especially as a light heavyweight?
2: Oh wow, it's I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things you can you know you can't replace that, especially being in a championship um, fight camp. So I've been in two now cause I helped him before. Um, I think it was, was a 200 where he didn't, he, he yeah. couldn't fight, mm-hmm. but I, I helped him in that camp too. And that was when I was getting ready for my debut actually. But, um, so I've been in two championship fight camps now, and that's something you, that you can always take from, uh, just, you know, what he does in that camp. And then also, you know, just, just the, you know, just the grind of it. And it, it really sets the pace of uh, where where you, where I want to be, because I want to be world champion. And it really lets me know what I need to do, or just a little bit of a guideline. And then just hanging out with him, his mentality, uh, his fight IQ is out, out the roof. So um, just all the, all the time I got to spend with him, it, it greatly helped.
0: Did you uh, have to work to emulate Cormier, or are you guys just kind of naturally similar?
2: <laughs> I, we're kind of naturally similar, but I had to slow down and actually be, you know, just a little bit more sloppy because, um, you know, he just, he just kind of pushes forward and, you know, he, a little bit of head movement, but he just pushes forward. And that's, that wasn't really my style at all. Um, but it was easy. I think because I knew it wasn't my style it was easy to do. Mm-hmm. And I, and John's a really good training partner too. So I could trust him, but um, I definitely had to change some things and, and yeah, and I, I had to go in there against John Jones and, try to not worry about getting hit which is which is a hard thing to do but um you know it worked out and and it uh it turned out to be a good good thing for both of us
0: i heard winkle john said that you were a better daniel cormier than daniel cormier (laughs) is that true i
2: i yeah i believe it (laughs) (laughs) i mean um i yeah because like i said i don't like to get hit and my movements are a lot different i i come in i close the gap a lot a lot quicker um he kind of you know his style is his style, and I I just like to get in a little bit quicker than that, and my angles are a lot different. Um, I don't quite stand there, stand there like that. I don't dip my head quite as much, I don't think. But and if I do, I put my hands up. So
0: you don't drop your hands down to the side and leave <laughs> the head open. No, no, not against
2: John, not against John,
0: not against John Jones. That's well, funny. you've gotten to you know go through two training camps with you know, some, a person that a lot of people think is the greatest MMA fighter of all time, longtime light heavyweight champion, that's gotta be a good measuring stick for you feeling where you are in the division and what you're capable of. Where, where do you, you know, do you feel like you're right there with him?
2: Uh, you know, it's, um, I do, but you know, obviously there's a difference because he has the experience. He's been there and done that. I haven't done it yet. So I, I, it wouldn't be really fair to put myself in the same category as him yet. Um, because I haven't accomplished what he's accomplished but being able to keep up and doing all the things yeah I, you know I, I can compete with the with the top guys in the in the in the division without a doubt and i 100% believe that um and a lot of that has gained been gained from working with him
0: now in the light heavyweight division Vulcan isdemir he's uh, kind of risen really quickly to the title shot he made his debut i think last, this year maybe even yep. and he's already um you know potentially on the cusp of getting this title shot you're 2-0 at light heavyweight in uh, the UFC. Uh, do you see that maybe potentially being in your future, that you're, you know, a couple fights, uh, some spectacular finishes, you know, some microphone work, and you could be right there in the mix, too?
2: Oh, absolutely. The division, you know, it's not the biggest division, so um, you, you you beat the right guys, knock out the right people, you're definitely moving up quick, uh, and, and I'm in a really good situation right now. Uh, Jan Jan Behovitz, he's, what, number 15, And he's, he's fought some really tough guys. He's, I mean, he fought Gustafson, um, Corey Anderson, Pat Cummins, uh, Latifi. It's, you know, he's got a good streak of guys that he's, he's gone against and he looked good against them too. And the thing is none of them have finished him. So uh, with a finish that puts, that gives gives me really good leverage. And, you know, that's what we're aiming to do is finish this guy uh, because no one else in the division has done it. So, you know, that's, that's, that'll set me apart a little bit and that'll get me bigger fights and move us up quicker
0: in the Cormier Jones food uh, feud. You're obviously team Jones. I'm assuming, uh, but yep. <laughs> does part of you kind of see like rooting for Cormier to hold on to that belt so that if you get that title shot, that he's the <laughs> champion because Jackson and Winklejohn seem to have the playbook against them.
2: That's the only reason I'd root for him. Yes. Just so I can go against him as, uh, uh, take his belt away and bring it back to Jackson Wink. But you know, I don't, who knows if that's going to be the case, uh, Vulcan, he's, he's really good. So, um, we'll see what happens there. It'll be a good fight, but, um, it I would love to fight Cormier and take his belt. That would just be the biggest thing in the world to me, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out and, you know, it's either way I'll, I'll take that belt from whoever. So.
1: <laughs> how do you guys process that? I'm just kind of curious. And the mindset with, um, John being stripped again, and now Cormier is the champion again. I mean, you know, everyone views the world from their own perspective. And you guys, you know, being teammates and John Jones, obviously, if your guy just got finished knocking out a guy, it feels it's gonna feel strange for you all to see the guy who got knocked out be the champion. What is that? Does that add to to the to I guess to to the to gunning for DC? Like, I mean, how are you processing all this unfortunate um. stuff?
2: I guess it. I mean that does add to me wanting to fight him and beat him. But at the end of the day, we all know who who won the won those fights. And and um, I personally saw John train for those fights, and I know he earned those fights. So um, my perspective is a little bit different mm-hmm. than some people's. But you know, it doesn't. I don't think it. For me, it doesn't take away about uh, what he did, but definitely adds to the fire a little bit that DC doesn't really deserve that belt. He didn't earn that belt. And you know it wasn't really in his in his hands, but um, he does have that th- that belt by default. So it it would be uh, that does that does sweeten the pot to uh, fight him for that.
1: I had one one last personal uh, follow up from I guess it's kind of from what we were chatting about earlier, but. There was, I don't know if you guys seen this documentary uh, called Strongman. It's on Netflix. And this, this, a uh, guy Eddie Hall. He just now became the world's strongest man. But this takes place a couple okay. of years ago, and he's training to be the world's strongest man. You know these, these crazy events where they're like pulling airplanes and all sorts mm. of stuff, right? He's this British dude, and he talks about he talks about uh, in his view the difference between, um, I guess, what is it, arrogance and. And and confidence, and he kind of s- said that, you know, arrogance is believing that you're the best in the world and confidence is is knowing you are. And he's saying, you know, you're arrogant on the way up. You know, you have this self-belief because you got to like I can do it. I can hang. I can do whatever. And then but once you've actually gotten the experience and you've you've done X, Y and Z and you prove yeah. to yourself you belong to you have like true true confidence. I mean clearly you're a confident man and clearly you've probably long believed you can you could be and win in the UFC and and go beyond just being in the UFC. When yeah. did when do you believe you think about it? When do you believe that you like really believed you belonged? Like when you actually it wasn't just like a young man's confidence but like no no no, I showed myself I can do this in the UFC.
2: Uh probably you know it 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 started when I started training with John hmm. and being able to go in there and compete with John in the room, that, that helped with the confidence, but still, had, I still had to win a fight in the UFC at that point. So, um, really after, after my last fight, I guess, is hmm. when, um, cause then after that, that's, that's two, two wins in the UFC. Um, you know, and and one wins good, but it, maybe it was by chance or whatever, you know, all the thoughts that goes, go through fighters heads, um, with this sport but after, yeah definitely after the last one I know I belong here I know I can win um, and the, my skill set has grown and along with that my confidence grows um, I know that I can I can put the work in I can um, I can uh, compete in these fights and win these fights and starting to do it where I can do it at a in a good fashion starting in the the knockouts and putting on these good performances um, at up until this point, I've just, it's been just a good learning curve. Hmm. Every fight is just a huge chance to learn. And I've, uh, my, uh, my past two wins, I, they both went to decisions, but, uh, I look at that as that's just time gained in the cage experience, experience gain. So it's, uh, yeah.
0: Very true. So it's your first professional fight overseas. What kind of advice did the guys at Jackson would give you about traveling such a long distance for a fight and especially when you're trying to cut weight?
2: uh just you know we, we didn't really we haven't really dwelled on that at the end of the day it's still a fight and I'm going to show up to fight either way uh, biggest thing is just uh, dealing with the jet lag a little bit you know not just crashing right when you get there staying up a little bit try to adjust to the time zone stay active stay focused uh, weight cuts you know not, not really too much of an issue it, you know I'm sitting about 220 right now perfect spot I cut that weight real easy um, so, I mean, besides that, it's just, you know, it's another fight, you know, a little bit longer of a plane trip, but, mm-hmm. you know, we'll deal with it and, you know, go out there and fight.
0: Now, I believe you were training for this camp with Marcin Tybura, if that's correct, yeah. <laughs> who's a yeah. Polish guy. Did he give you any kind of tips about Poland?
2: Uh, uh, just that it was really nice. Yeah. You know, of course, he talked about his country. And, no, he didn't give me any tips on Jan. <laughs> um they i think they used to train together and their friends and stuff but you know it's professional it's very very professional about it and he's not really picking sides you know me and him are teammates now he's at jackson wing so um but he's not you know he's not leaning one way or the other to benefit either one of us except for you know giving me good uh good practice time you know going hard in practice so
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Best of luck to you in your fight. We can't wait to see it and uh, see you inch closer to that title shot. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. Wow. Just amazing stuff from uh, Devin Clark. He's yeah. a, a young, I, I don't, I don't want to call him a prospect because he has three UFC fights. on Yeah. His at this belt. point. Right. Yeah. He's, he's a UFC
1: enemy. surging contender now. Right. Wow, at this uh, point.
0: You're right. In a division that needs a little bit of life injected sure. to it. You sure. know, these are a lot of the people you've seen in the heavy light, heavyweight division are. Are familiar names and this is a fresh face and yeah. um he has everything you know that you wish that middleweight fight wouldn't have been forced on him because he could be <laughs> an yeah. undefeated fighter right, right now right uh, not that a one loss is anything to you know shake your fist at but no, no. um it affects your pay it affects everything yeah. right but the marketing of him being an un uh, you know look at what's worked for vulcan that yeah. he could be
1: that right now um, yeah, that's a good point even with this if he beats if he beats Jan. He, his next opponent's got to be top 10. And then if he wins that one, you could make it. At that point, all, all bets are off. You could get a title shot. So, you know, uh, yeah, he's still done a great job of making up ground fast. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is it is it is too bad that he that he had to cut weight um, for that debut.
0: But, you know, all's not lost. One, one, uh, one loss isn't yeah. a bad thing. And no, he's, he's doing 2 great. He's 2-0 in the division, and he's got, the you know, the world in front of him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how his year plays out. Uh, um, he, he's, you know, working with the best. And you hear – so many fighters who go to Jackson Week mm. talk about how much it elevates their game. And, you know, there's several of these big gyms that I think fall in that category Team mm. Alpha Male, um, American Top Team come to mind. Uh, there's a lot of gyms in SoCal that you could probably pick any of those sure. out, Kings. Sure. Um, but, you know, Johnny Hendricks just made the switch yeah. to go there. Yeah. And he said that after his first day there, uh, he you know, felt that this was the right decision and he's going to do all his camps going forward there after one day. Um, and it, you know, it makes sense with the amount of fighters they have there that, you know, he's training with some of the best athletes yeah. in the world. John Jones on a regular basis that, you know, that's invaluable experience. You can't really get
1: everywhere. Well, I think that's right. I mean, I have, I have my very specific, uh, um, from afar opinions on, on, and Greg Jackson and his qualifications, but I mean, they've got bodies they've got altitude and they've got some great coaches they've got izzy martinez who's actually from the chicago area he's out there he all the time a gym. yeah i that's, think again that's right izzy style, yeah you win yeah no absolutely they got wrestlers but they also got i mean he's a, he's a top high school coach but he's also uh he's got uh, the izzy style uh, mma gym a lot of great guys there and he's in he's out he's down at jackson wink all the time you know mike winklejohn himself was in a, was an an incredible kickboxer and he's he's from everything i hear a really devoted and involved hands-on coach in a lot of ways like they've got just, it's hard if you take great great athletes like devin clark and you put them with a bunch of other great athletes like and you walk away something good's gonna happen you know like some injuries but some some good skills are gonna develop so you have so many top dudes like that i i, I don't I, I don't i i understand why he he and many others make make that trip there you know like that, what kind of what what other prospect that was, you know, fighting in Willowbrook uh, two years ago? Um, you know, what other way would a prospect, uh, you know, was fighting Willowbrook two years ago get a chance to do two championship camps with John Jones? Like, if you're in the room with him, if you're there, right? So, it, it allows guys like him apparently some some really incredible opportunities. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see you know how this fight goes for him, and that's a big one.
0: Three and and0 oh, he's you know right there on the cusp and right you know next guy in line perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was great talking to him yeah, love having fighters talk on the show, especially, um, always appreciative when it's close to fight time for him. Um, so nice of him to do. He's traveling
1: between States and continents right. and he's still making time. We got to have him on afterwards at, for sure. He's at home visiting his family and he made time for us. And he made time for yeah, us which I, means the world. It really does. That's really cool. Thank you, Devin.
0: Well, that pretty much wraps up the show thank you for everybody who tuned in we uh, enjoyed talking with you all about ufc's 216 hopefully you guys enjoyed the fight as much as we did um you can follow extra rounds on twitter we'll let you know who's going to be on the show next week which will be same time same place sports illustrated mma facebook page 3 p.m eastern streaming live um, and if you don't have time to watch the show live on sports illustrated's mma facebook page you can listen to it later on itunes google play TuneIn, stitcher or we'll upload the video to YouTube. So once again, thank you for everybody tuning in. We will see you next week.